This morning, God's Word comes to us from the book of Jude. Jude is the second to the last book in the Bible. It contains only one chapter, and we'll be reading all the verses of that chapter this morning. Reading from the book of Jude, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's word. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in, indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet, in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael contended with the devil, he was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, 
malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the prediction of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To, show, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Here we in the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 866 in the back section. Page 866, this is article 29 of the Belgic Confession. And this morning we will read uh, this entire article. Reading from page 866, article 29, entitled, The Marks of the True Church. We believe that we ought to discern diligently and very carefully by the word of God what is the true church. For all sects in the world today claim for themselves the name of the church. We are not speaking here of the company of hypocrites who are mixed among the good in the church and who nonetheless are not part of it, even though they are physically there. But we are speaking of distinguishing the body and fellowship of the true church from all sects that call themselves the church. The true church can be recognized if it has the following marks. The church engages in the pure preaching of the gospel. It makes use of the pure administration of the sacraments as Christ instituted them. It practices church discipline for correcting faults. In short, it governs itself according to the pure word of God, rejecting all things contrary to it and holding Jesus Christ as the only head. By these marks, one can be assured of recognizing the true church, and no one ought to be separated from it. As for those who are of the church, we can recognize them by the distinguishing marks of Christians, namely by faith and by fleeing from sin and pursuing righteousness, once they have received the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. They love the true God and their neighbors without turning to the right or the left, and they crucify the flesh and its works. Though great weakness remains in them, they fight against it by the Spirit all the days of their lives, appealing constantly to the blood, suffering, death, and obedience of the Lord Jesus, in whom they have forgiveness of their sins through faith in Him. 
As for the false church, it assigns more authority to itself and its ordinances than to the Word of God. It does not want to subject itself to the yoke of Christ. It does not administer the sacraments as Christ commanded in His Word. It rather adds to them or subtracts from them as it pleases. It bases itself on men more than on Jesus Christ. It persecutes those who live holy lives according to the Word of God and and who rebuke it for its faults, greed, and idolatry. These two churches are easily recognized and thus to distinguish from each other. This is our confession of faith. Well, we continue in that section this morning of the Belgic Confession dealing with our understanding of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have talked about the character of that church. It is a glorious church. It is one holy Catholic church. And we have talked about our obligation to be members of that church. Now, if we have an obligation to belong to the church, uh, the next question we have to ask is, well, then how do we know what a church is? How do we recognize a church? In the uh, the Belgian Confession, Article 29 is probably one of the more well-known articles in the Confession when it gives us the three marks of the church. How do you know if something is a church? Those three marks, the preaching of the gospel, the administration of the sacraments, and Christian discipline toward repentance. Now, in the next few articles, the confession is going to talk about sacraments, so we'll deal with that then. When we go through our series on the Heidelberg Catechism, we spend a couple of Lord's Days on Christian discipline. So this morning, I would like to focus on that first mark of the church, the pure preaching of the gospel. And in fact, that's, that's, that's the first thing you're going to encounter if you are looking for a church. You're going to go and you're going to listen to the preaching. And the question you ask yourself is, is the gospel being preached? The importance of preaching. The importance of the gospel. Because there are those who would say, uh, it's not that important, or try to change it. And that's, that's the, the issue Jude is addressing. Those who would, who would not hold to the truths of the faith as they have been ha- handed down. Uh, Jude says in verse 3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, and just, just revel in it, the joy of salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. To hold on to the truths of the gospel. To hold on to this faith delivered to the saints. Because he says, going on in verse 4, For certain people have crept in, unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality, they turn uh, law into license, and who deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the heart, is the center of the gospel, and there are those who come in and deny that truth. When you are looking for a church, uh, the first thing you look for is the preaching of the gospel 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the importance of that is what we're going to talk about this morning. I have on the outline here uh, the proper distinction. We're talking about looking for a true church. Sometimes people will come to me and they will say, you know, we're moving to this area. Can you help us find a good church? And I never know exactly how to answer that, looking for a good church. What is a good church? Uh, different people have different ideas of what a good church is. For some, a good church is a big church. A big church with 500, 600, 700 members. That's a good church. For some, a good church is a small church. Maybe 30, 40 50 members, so we all know everyone looking for a good church. For some, a good church is a church with a beautiful uh, a worship center and wonderful facilities. Some people don't care about that. They don't care about that being a good church. For some people, a good church is a, a, a well-established church, a church that's been around for years and years and years, and we all know what to expect in a church like that. For some, a good church is a brand new church where they are, are doing you know, different things every Lord's Day and, and, and the order of worship changes every Sunday and we never know what to expect. That's a good church. For some, a good church has progressive worship. For some, a good church has traditional worship, however you uh, put the content into those terms. I would suggest we're not talking about looking for a good church. We're talking about looking for a true church. And while, while good church can vary from person to person, a true church must have that fundamental mark, the preaching of the gospel. This is, this is the, the type of language we're using, not good or bad church, but true church or false church. Now, I know that that is harsh language. But there are churches which put that name on their sign outside of the building that do not deserve the name church because the gospel is not declared there. Uh, we talk about you know, having ecumenical relations, relations with other believers, and that is a good thing, that's a wonderful thing. But our ecumenical relations are bounded by our common commitment to the gospel. We do not have ecumenical relations with Muslims. We don't say that's because they go to a bad church. It's because they go to a false church. We don't have ecumenical relations with Mormons. Not because it's a bad church. It's a false church. That's the proper distinction to be made. Well, we just don't like how they do it. That's kind of beside the point. Is the gospel there? And if the gospel there, it is a true church of our Lord Jesus Christ. If the gospel is not there, we can be sure that is not a church. And, and Jude reminds them of the way God has always dealt with his people and their obligation to continue in that faith. He says, hold fast the faith, contend for the faith. Verse 5. I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, 
that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Although they were brought out with the rest of Israel, there were those who refused to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, refused to believe in the work of God, refused to believe in his promise. And what happened? God destroyed them. This is the punishment for those who do not remain faithful to the teaching of the gospel. In fact, he says in verse 6, And the angels who didn't stay within their positions of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept an eternal change under gloomy darkness till the judgment of that great day. Even these angels who refuse to recognize the proper authority are kept in chains. Those who, who, who refuse to recognize that Jesus Christ is the only king and head of his church and we live under his authority, he says the angels who didn't recognize authority, they're kept in chains eternally. He goes on in verse 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire, failing to have the word of God and the preaching of that gospel affect our lives and direct the way that we live, but rather going your own way like Sodom and Gomorrah, not caring about what God would say. They are an example, an example to us of the punishment for those who fail to hold fast, contend for the faith, contend for the ongoing preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps at some point the Lord will, in his providence, bring you somewhere else. And you'll need to look for a church. What will you look for? Again, I'd say don't, don't first of all say, well, what's a good church? Don't just find a church with good programs or good people. But look for a true church where the preaching of the gospel is conducted Lord's Day after Lord's Day after Lord's Day. This is, this is the distinction we make between the true church and the false church. As I said, we're talking this morning not about the two other marks of uh, sacraments and uh, d discipline, but focusing on the, the clearest mark, I would say, uh, the preaching of the gospel. Obviously, these are, the, the preaching of the gospel is related to the other marks. The sacraments are a visible word of God for his people. Discipline in the church is word-centered, word-based. Uh, but preaching, I believe, is the clearest mark of whether or not we see a true church in front of us. There are some people this morning who are sitting in what they believe is a church, but they are not. Because the preaching of the gospel is not there. I had someone uh, say to me one time, he was going to this particular church, and he said, you know, it's, it's really great. Um, we have all these sermons about uh, how I can be a better husband and how I can be a better father and how I can be a better employee and how I can be a better this and a better that, how I can manage my money better and all these things. But he said, you know, you know what? We never seem to hear about Jesus. Now, all these other things are great. How to live the Christian life consistently. But if it is not rooted in the gospel, 
no matter what the sign says outside. That is not a church. Because the gospel, the clear preaching of the gospel is not there. We recognize our need to hear that again and again and again. Now you know, and I've said this before, the gospel is not how sinful we are. That's not the gospel. If you want to talk about, maybe you could use the term pre-gospel. But we have to recognize our fallenness, recognize our sinfulness. And in light of that, we say, what hope do we have? There's nothing I can offer to God. My works just all fall short. Even the best that I do is tainted with sin. There is another. There is someone who has come to wash away all of your sins. That is Jesus Christ. He has come to forgive you of absolutely every sin you have ever committed against him or against anyone else. And the wonderful freedom that that gives us. We don't have to, to continue to live in our sin because Jesus Christ has come and has washed us and has cleansed us. And beyond that, he has been perfectly obedient for us. This is the glory of the gospel. This is the truth that we embrace, and this is what you need to listen for if you are looking for a true church. This morning, once again, the call of the gospel goes out. Embrace Jesus Christ. Know him as your Lord, as your Savior. Know that in him all of your sins are removed. God now sees you as perfectly obedient. Embrace him and become a member of that true church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, don't reject the ways of God. Don't reject the beauty of the call of the gospel. Jude talks about those who had no need for God in a variety of ways warning them, uh, looking at verse 11. Woe to them, for they walk in the ways of Cain. Cain, one who did not want to walk under the light of God's directive God's word Cain who would go his own way Cain who would kill his brother rather than do the things that God wanted he followed his own ways his own desires woe to them for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error Balaam who was a prophet for hire Balaam who you could pay to bring a message and there are still prophets for hire today. Those who would claim the title of minister of the gospel who are paid to say what the congregation wants to hear. Don't fall into their error. I can assure you, there are some messages that Dr. Squeers and I bring that we don't want to bring. But by God's grace, we are not prophets for hire. We bring what, what God's people need to hear, even if it's not what they want to hear. He warns, don't fall into those errors. Woe to them, they walked in the way of Cain, they abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished under Korah's rebellion. Korah who would defy the leadership of God's people. And there are still those today who defy the king and head of the church, Jesus Christ. They think they know better than him what the church should look like. Woe to them. 
woe to them. They put more authority on themselves than on the Word of God. And that's the reminder of our confession. As for the false church, it assigns more authority to itself and its ordinances than to the Word of God. It does not want to subject itself to the yoke of Christ. And if there are those who are failing to bring that glorious message of the gospel, uh, Jude warns how completely worthless they are to bring anything. Verse 12, these who, who bring these messages are hidden reefs at your love feast for as they feast uh, without fear. They are shepherds feeding themselves. And he gives us a number of pictures here. Shepherds feeding themselves. Shepherds are supposed to feed the sheep. <laughs> shepherds care for those under their care. These shepherds don't care. And they feed themselves rather than caring to feed the sheep. He says they are waterless clouds swept along by winds. Waterless clouds. Clouds which, which might look like they could bring rain and refreshment to the ground. These who do not bring the glories of Christ are waterless clouds. Simply swept along, blown around. Nothing to give to the people. He says... They are fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. Fruitless trees, rather than those who bring forth fruit, who give a blessing to those who come. They're fruitless trees. And so they are twice dead, not giving anything, and they are uprooted themselves. They are wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. They are wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Stars that should give light now destined only for darkness. When we fail to have the glory of the light of the gospel that is found within the church, it becomes useless, it becomes fruitless. The light has gone out and it becomes dark. And so Jude says, verse 17, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So this is no surprise. This is no surprise to the church, he says. But, but for you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, there are those who are unfaithful, failing to bring the gospel, but you, you as members of a true church, continue to walk in the ways of God, building yourselves up. And we talked about that last week, and we talked about that the week before. We build ourselves up in that holy faith. We hold on to that holy faith by knowing that holy faith. By coming Lord's Day after Lord's Day to be instructed in the truth of the gospel. It's fullness. Yes, the gospel is as simple as Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But there is so much more. There is so much more contend for the faith be built up in the faith and you beloved building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the holy spirit praying for the church now i know 
I know and I am thankful that there are those of you who pray for the ministry of the word, and I assure you it is needed and it is appreciated. Pray for the church as well, that God would keep her pure, that God would keep these enemies away, not able to get into the church and sow these seeds of, of darkness, of uselessness. Pray for the leadership of the church as the elders give direction over, over the ministry of the church. Pray in the Holy Spirit for the church. He says, remembering, remember the love and the mercy of God that leads to eternal life. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Where does God demonstrate his love? He demonstrates his love in the church by bringing us together as his people. He demonstrates his love by letting us hear the gospel, Lord's Day after Lord's Day after Lord's Day. Make this a priority in your life. This is, a, this is, this is an example of God's love to you calling you with your brothers and sisters, calling you to gather in his presence, God's love saying, come home. Come home to me once again. Our time, in short, should be the most important thing on our schedule, more important than our job, more important than our education, more important than our recreation. This should be the top of our schedule. And he says, have mercy. Verse 22, and have mercy on those who doubt. Merciful, not arrogant. Not arrogant, saying, look, we're in a great church, so we don't care about you. We're in a true church. No, have mercy. And he goes on to say, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Share the gospel with them. Bring your friends who are not believers. Bring your family who are not believers to a true church. And let them sit under the preaching and the call of the gospel. That's what he talks about when he says save them, not that we save them. But bring them under the preaching of the word, for there is the power of salvation for all who believe. This is the glory of belonging to a true church. And, and it is there that God gives his blessing. Where the gospel is faithfully proclaimed, God blesses his people, and that's how he concludes. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Lord our God, we do thank you that you have established for yourself a church, a church that is distinguished by the preaching of the gospel. And Lord God, we do pray that your gospel might never be silent from this pulpit, but that Lord's Day after Lord's Day, morning and evening, we might hear that glorious work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Help us, O oh God, to contend to contend for that faith once delivered to us, to recognize the lie from the truth, to demand the preaching of the gospel Lord's Day after Lord's Day, not to settle 
not to settle for lesser entertaining things, but to demand that, that, that Jesus Christ be preached every service that we gather. Lord God, we thank you that in your love, in your mercy, you have called us into your church. May we not hoard that blessing. May we share the glories of the gospel with those around us, the truth of your word, the truth of Jesus Christ, a word that will never fail us, a word that will always direct us in faith to you. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to number 200.